Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. If you are interested in participating in one of our podcasts, please reach out to us. Contact info can be found in the notes of this podcast posting. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to another FTF Exchange podcast. For this podcast, I'm speaking with Olivier Verberg, who is a vice president overseeing analytics at FactSet. FactSet is a financial data and analytics provider that offers financial services firms industry intelligence, ways to monitor portfolio risk and performance, and ways to facilitate trade execution. The company's offerings include data feeds, desktop analytics, web and mobile applications, sell and buy-side research tools, and client service solutions. For our discussion, Olivier will focus on the marketing rule of the Securities and Exchange Commission, also known as the SEC. A key requirement of the marketing rule is the presentation of net performance data along with gross performance data. The regulator says that the rule is intended to provide more transparency for investors. We will focus on key aspects of the SEC marketing rule and how firms can be compliant with the new rule and yet leverage the rule to their benefit. So Olivier, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at FactSet? Hey, yeah, sure, Eugene, thanks for having me here. So my name is Olivier, I've worked for FactSet for about uh, 14 years, starting in the Netherlands and uh, right now uh, working for them in the US. Uh, my role is really focused on uh, all of our, our entire performance offering, I would say. Uh, and then focusing on our U.S. client base. So the, the SEC marketing rule uh, very much comes to the forefront there, of course. Can you provide some clarity on why the SEC in, insists that firms present gross performance data in an advertisement along with uh, net performance information? Yeah, I believe that the intention of the SEC with the marketing rule is you know, ultimately to protect potential investors that are looking to invest in funds uh, and are you know basically comparing marketing materials with each other to uh, to make that decision, right? And the way I'm used to it in finance, we usually use gross returns when evaluating investment decisions, right? But in the end, if I'm an investor, what I'm receiving is the net return. So after the fees are accounted for and everything, so I think that's something the SEC wants to highlight here, right? So them requiring net performance to be disclosed and more closely defining how it needs to be presented. I think they're trying to make sure consumers are comparing apples to apples when they're comparing one fund advertisement with another fund advertisement. What are the challenges for securities firms as they adjust to the gross net performance aspect of the of the new rule? Yeah, so there are many challenges with the rule. For uh, Some of the challenges are more related to uh, the rules around uh, basically cherry-picking rep accounts or things like constant maintenance and such. But you know, if we're specifically relating to the gross and net aspect of the rule, um, I think one of the main challenges is that firms don't always have the processes in place to calculate net performance every level that the SEC requires, right? So let me give a little bit more detail here. Calculating net performance on the total fund level usually is nothing new, right? Especially when firms are already GIPS compliant, which, you know, many are. 
but firms also need to make sure that so-called extracted performance in their advertisement is reported net of fees as well. So an example of extracted performance in advertisements, it could be like, like a little table, right, showing the sector or country returns of the fund, or like a, a table with like returns and contribution of their top five or 10 securities, things like that. So the current, I would say, prevalent interpretation of the rule is that values in a table like this need to be net of fee as well. And that is something I believe pretty much no one has bothered to calculate before, uh, therefore making it one of the main challenges. And why is that a challenge, quickly? Yeah, so that's 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 a challenge simply because calculating, you know, as, as, as I mentioned before, the gross returns are usually used um, to evaluate financial decisions, right? So when we're looking at all of these individual securities, um, we've always been using gross returns to... Um, to make to make all of our decisions uh, on them. That means all of our processes, right, are also geared towards gross returns. So the data that firms load into systems, like Vexat, um, uh, usually comes in at a gross basis. Now suddenly switching that to to net will present some challenges on the on the operational side of things. Mm-hmm. And that I guess that is the main crux of, of the concerns of, of, among financial services firms. So so what yeah. what IT and operational changes are they going to have to make? Firms that are not yet GIPS compliant, right, and didn't have to build and maintain composites before, uh, they will have to consider whether they want to start doing this now. With that, there, you know, come considerations on how to set up things like composite fees and, and, and how to deal with um, accounts that are non-fee paying. So many processes need to be set up around fees and composites in order to generate that net performance that we're talking about, Right. So firms that already have these processes in place, they're likely more focused now on meeting the requirements for the extracted performance, right? The portion that we just discussed. So they will need to configure their tools, right? Just like like FactSet's uh, tools, like our portfolio analysis tool, to run those group or security level reports net of fees. Mm-hmm. Many fir- firms will also choose to continue running their reports gross of fees, right? Because that has the least operational impact, but then somehow manually make adjustments to those reports after the fact. So they're adjusted for the fees. Um, so, you know, somewhat doable if you only market a handful of funds, right? You can still make some manual uh, changes uh, to the materials afterwards. Uh, but that's actually a lot more work, of course, when you're producing a lot of marketing materials for a large number of funds. Mm-hmm. New rule led to any changes in the way performance and compliance teams interact with you, with each other? Or is it business as usual? In some way, compliance and performance have always worked together, you know, to to some degree, of course. Especially for those, you know, firms that are that are GIPS compliance, I'm sure they'll they'll they'd have to work with their compliance uh, department quite a bit. But you know, from from where I'm sitting, right, from the meetings that I'm having with our clients, uh, these teams they're sure having a lot more meetings with each other now, right? So compliance teams will often try to interpret the regulation but usually it's the performance and the reporting teams that will have to come up with the actual operational processes right to produce the output in a way that the firm is in compliance i mean i think it's very important for every firm that that the compliance teams really understand what what the impact is of what they're asking uh, the performance team to do to be compliant with the sec and that way in that way i think it's it, it really led to uh, the performance and compliance teams to interact more with each other, right, and work more closely together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a good thing, right? The more 
uh, those teams are in sync with the, the actual business processes that have to happen to make things work uh, the better. Yeah. Right? Many firms will rely on outside counsel here as well, uh, of course, but I feel that those that, that work with their internal teams are probably going to be uh, more closely aligned. Yeah, and, and a new dynamic with com- the, the compliance team is probably a good thing. I'd like to think so, yeah. So now firms have to, have to leverage this new rule. Uh, how can they avoid being hurt by the new rule? It's important to think back on, on, on why, why the SEC is doing this, right? And, and basically ask yourself whether you're implementing this in that spirit, essentially, right? So, you know, making comparisons between funds easier and, and uh, the prevention of, of cherry-picking funds that you're reporting on are two of the major objectives I think that the SEC is trying to accomplish, right? So what you can do to achieve that... Um, first of all, is clearly define how you calculate net returns and any assumptions that are made, right? Especially on the extracted performance part. So simply defining is one thing. Uh, another very important thing is documenting your procedures and applying them consistently across all your marketed funds, right? So it may sound very logical, but like if you're applying all of your uh, all of your uh, procedures consistently across funds. It's going to be harder for you to be accused of things like cherry picking. So I think those are um, those are important. And of course, I'm no expert in how the SEC like examine firms by any means, but but I do like to believe that if you can clearly show all of your assumptions, right, and you can explain how you think that they're in, this, uh, you know, they're uh, they're they're basically in the spirit of the rule that the SEC has made. Um, I think it will help firms to avoid being hurt by the rule. What can firms do to be compliant yet uh, leverage the rule to their benefit? Are, are there some kind of hidden benefits here? <laughs> maybe, maybe if we really dig deep, we can we can find something. But uh, I mean, there's no denying that the biggest impact on firms is all the uh, the operational work that needs to be done to be compliant with this rule, right? So, hopefully, after this work is done, um, it opens up new ways for firms to to also analyze their funds. Mm-hmm. I would say be bold and, and start looking at your funds through various lenses and analyze the actual impact that fees have on your performance, right? Also, everyone will need to start reporting this information. So how do you line up against your peers? You'll have more information available because everyone needs to report it. I mean, it, it is going to be rough to get all processes in place, right? And, and, and to get uh, to, to run a smooth operation with regards to this. But, but I do hope that firms will be able to use some of all of this additional data, essentially, that they need to produce uh, to their advantage by, you know, creating, uh, creating some more analysis from, from a slightly different angle, maybe. And you're, you, you said you've been in touch with many, many firms. Yeah. How long is it going to take them to implement the new operations and then maybe make adjustments to their IT infrastructures? Yeah, good question. It, it really, I think the, the main determinator here is are they already GIPS compliant or are they not? For firms that are not yet GIPS compliant, I think it's going to take them a while to get everything in place uh, simply because, you know, building up all those, um, you know, procedures and everything, and um, that, that that's going to take a lot of work. It's not just IT infrastructure. It's also, uh, like, like you said before, a lot of it sits with working together with compliance to get the right procedures and, and, and documentations in place. Mm-hmm. So for those firms that already are GIPS compliant, right, I feel like, they have the majority of this rule in place. And I think, again, like focus is going to be on that extracted performance piece and how that impacts the marketing piece. There are some other pieces there as well, um, but uh, the, the lift should be a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're speaking on uh, June 1st, uh, 2023. What is your guess or estimate 
for well, how this uh, marketing rule is impacting firms now and what the impact might be uh, for the rest of the year and beyond? I mean, generally, from the performance team that I'm speaking to, those tend not to be the firm, the the the, the type of departments in in the firms that have you know had a lot of room for you know sudden operational improvements. I would say they're they're very lean teams usually that are run very lean and 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 require like a a smooth operating setup to to do the work that was already required from them before the rule. I think the impact of this is there's a lot of lot more work uh, coming on their plate, mm-hmm. right? So I think those teams are are going to be impacted heavily to, you know, produce the output that the SEC requires. So the impact on those teams is going to be, yeah, it's going to be more uh, significantly more work for them to uh, to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Great. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with us this morning. Yeah, well, lovely. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange podcast. <laughs>